If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 1, please. Ephesians chapter 1, we'll get started there in just a second. I want to thank the elders for the opportunity to speak to you tonight. You know you're loved at Forest Park when a couple members come up to you and say, Joe, remember to get us out here on time tonight. And I told one of them, I said, I've got my alarm set for 745. So I've got my alarm set, Tony. So we're good. Ephesians chapter 1. You know, the church, as we read the Bible, the church, it was in the mind of God from the beginning of time. Ephesians 1, 4, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. In 2 Timothy 1, 9, the scriptures tell us who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to our own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, it tells us to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God. Verse 11, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ our Lord. The church was in the mind of Christ from the foundations of the world. The church was also prophesied. We read about the church being prophesied in Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 2. and Daniel 2 and verse 44, we read about the, the prophecies about the church, the coming church. We also read in the Bible about the church that was established by Jesus. Matthew 16, 18 tells us, And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If you go up to verse 16 in Matthew chapter 16, it tells us what that rock is. That rock is Jesus is the Son of God. That's the foundation where everything's built upon in Christianity. So Jesus establishes his church, not my church, not the man's church down the road, his church. In Ephesians chapter 1, awesome set of scriptures here in verse 20 through 23. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him in his right hand in heavenly places far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Verse 22. And it put all things under his feet. It gave him all authority and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is the body. There's a well-known preacher in the brotherhood that he says that the church is the body and the body is the church. That's what the Bible teaches. And Jesus is head of that body. And I'm a part of it. Now, if you'll turn your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I titled my lesson tonight. And you can put your name in here, please. Do I 
Do I have a responsibility to the body of Christ? Do I have a responsibility? Do you have a responsibility to the body of Christ? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in verse, starting in verse 14, for the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not of the hand, I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body. It is therefore not of the body. And if the ear shall say, because I'm not of not the eye, I'm not of the body. It is therefore not of the body. If the whole body was an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole, if the whole were a hearing, where would the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it had pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now we are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need for thee, nor again the head to the feet, and I have no need of thee. Nay, much more those members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are necessary. And those members of the body, which we think are less honorable, upon these we bestow more honor, and our comely parts have more abundant comeliness. Verse 24, for our comely parts have no need, but God has tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to the part which lack. Verse 25, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. another. Verse 26, and whether one member suffereth, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. This set of scriptures here tells us that each member here at Forest Park, each member here in Valdosta of the church, each member throughout the world is important to the body of Christ. Whether you're an elder, whether you're a deacon, whether you're a minister, whether you're just a member, whether you serve behind the scenes, you are important to God. You have a responsibility to the body of Christ. I was listening to a sermon a couple months ago, and I heard by Mike Vestal, I don't want to take credit for this point, but what an awesome point it is. Mike Vestal preaches in Texas. He made this point on this sermon. He said the useless becomes useful. Are you sitting here tonight and you think you're useless to the body of Christ? Are you sitting here tonight to think you have no responsibility to the body of Christ? You just come and you sit on the pews. I promise you they're nailed, they're screwed down, they're bolted down. If they're not, let Clint or Billy know. Are you useless to the body of Christ? Because if that's your mindset tonight, that was not the mindset of Jesus. Turn your Bible to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. In Acts chapter 13 and verse 4, 
So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost departed to Cilicia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. Paul in Acts chapter 13 is going on his first missionary journey. He takes two people with him. He takes Barnabas and John Mark. If you'll scroll down to verse 13. Now when Paul and his company loosed from Pampos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John departing from them returned to Jerusalem. Why did John leave? I don't know. I don't know why John left. Maybe he was tired of being on that missionary journey. Maybe he was sick. Spin, you're on a missionary journey. I see Spin back there somewhere. There he is. You're on a missionary journey, and someone, you're counting on someone. Say, I got to go home. It's not an emergency, Spin. What do you think, Spin? No, no bueno. No good. John Mark leaves. That, that person useful to us on a missionary journey? Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. Verse 36. This is Paul's second missionary journey. And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again to visit our brethren in every city where we had preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with him who? John Mark. Whose surname was Mark. Verse 38. But Paul thought not good to take him with him. Who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. Paul was at odds about taking John Mark again the second time. John Mark is useless to Paul. And the, content, and the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed being recommended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went to Syria and Sicily, confirming the churches. They didn't agree on this. They didn't agree on this. Barnabas wanted to take John Mark. Barnabas saw usefulness in John Mark. Paul says, I don't want to take him. At that moment... We're going to look ahead in just a second. At that moment, John Mark was useless to Paul. In your Bible, go to 2 Timothy 4. 2 Timothy 4. Verse 11. Only Luke is with me. 
take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is what? Profitable to me for the ministry. The useless becomes useful to the body of Christ. We could end right there tonight. If I'm useless to the body of Christ, Christ wants me to be useful. Philemon, the book of Philemon. Verse 24. It says, Marcus, my fellow laborer. And in the first Peter 5, 13, Mark, Peter calls Mark my son. You may feel low, you may feel useless to the body of Christ tonight. Christ wants you to feel useful. Christ wants you to take your responsibility and serve him. First, we have a responsibility to evangelize the lost. Do we really believe, Brian preached half my sermon this morning, do we really believe there are lost people in this world? 2 Thessalonians 1, 8 tells us otherwise. It says that God will take vengeance on them that know not God and obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 59 verse 2 tells us that sin separates us from God. We cannot have a relationship with God if sin dwells in our life. Luke 19.10 tells us that Jesus has came for one purpose and one purpose only. To seek and to save that which is lost. We are commanded in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, that we must teach all nations. Mark 16, 15, and 16 tells us to go throughout all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I have the most wealth. I have riches of God in my hand. And if I keep it to myself, I'm not holding up my end of the bargain. God, Jesus, wants me to be responsible with the gospel and take it to others. If Don Garner, Travis is not here tonight, I had Travis in my notes, I said, Travis is going to be here, I don't know where he's at. If Don Garner's walking across the, the, the room tonight, and he falls out right here, he falls out right here, what are we going to do? I tell you what we're going to do, Tony, we're going to have a meeting, and we're going to set up a committee to find out how we need to save Don Garner. We're going to go to the elders and see how much money we can budget 
to say Don Garner. Yeah, it sounds foolish, doesn't it? Donnie, what we're going to do is we're going to jump in and we're going to do everything we can to save him. I had stats on my computer and I didn't write them down. People are dying around us at an alarming rate every day. And they're going to meet Jesus and they don't know God. Am I, I'm sitting back watching ESPN on my recliner and doing nothing. I have a responsibility to go teach the lost. That's not if you want to. That's not if you have time. That's not if you feel like it. We're going to jump in and we're going to save that soul that's dying physically. We understand that. We live in a world today You've seen, may have seen videos about this in the last 20, 30 years, whatever. A woman may be robbed and people stand by and look. A woman may be beaten and they stand by and look. Let me ask this question. I want you to put your name in this sentence. If blank continues to evangelize Like I have the last year, will the church continue to grow or will it die? Put your name there. Put my name there. If I evangelize like I have the last year, will the church continue to grow or will it die? You may say, I don't know enough. I'm just going to be honest with you. In our secular jobs, if we're told to go learn something, we go learn it. I've been to more PLs in the last six years than Van Camp's got tomatoes. I'm tired of PLs. They tell me to learn something, how to become a better teacher, I'm going to do it. Donnie, if you have to go and you have to update your training on how to be a mechanic, you do it. We understand that in the secular world, but we don't understand that in the spiritual world. Oh, I don't know enough. When's the last time you opened God's Word and studied? When's the last time I opened God's Word and studied? It's not going to drop in your lap. It's not going to just somebody open up my head and drop it in so he knows it now. Second Timothy 2, 15 tells us to study. Study. Acts 17, verse 11, they searched the scriptures daily to make sure the things that they were learning were so. Are we that kind of people? Are you scared? We go back to Brian's lesson this morning and fill that in. Are you scared? In Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 9, verse 10. 
And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, here am I, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and acquire to the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarshish. For behold, he prayeth. And he, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Verse 13, and Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many, by many of this man how much evil he had done to the saints of Jerusalem. Was Ananias scared? Yes. What was Saul doing? Saul was going around killing Christians. Ananias says, here I am, Lord. Ananias was scared. But in verse 17, Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And in verse 18, he arose and was baptized. Are you scared to go teach somebody the gospel? Ananias was scared, but he went. Ananias said, this man may kill me. But he did what God asked him to do. God's asking you not to go to evangelize the lost. You may say, I don't know anybody to go pull out your cell phone and look up at contacts. I'm just going to tell you this. I didn't figure this out until too late in my life. Everything we do is about building relationships in our life. I don't care if it's for your secular job. I don't care if it's for this. I don't care if it's that. Everything we do is about building relationships. You want to be a soul winner? Build relationships. Brian talked about neighbors this morning. And I don't know many of my neighbors. I know a few of them. One neighbor I know really good. We got a good relationship. He cuts my grass one time a month. I cut his grass one time a month. His driveway needs blowing off. I blow it off. His mind needs blowing off. He blows it off. Build those relationships with those people. Because if you can build those relationships, they'll listen to you. They may not agree with you. They may not become a Christian just because you say so or the Bible says so, but they'll listen to you. Build relationships. Each one of you have a contact in contacts in your phone. Are, really, re, are we really concerned about our family, our friends? We need to evangelize and understand we have the responsibility to evangelize. Next. I think this is a major thing for the church today. Too many of us are coming, we're meeting on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and then we go out into the world and live like we want to live. And then we try to invite people to church. We try to get people to listen to us. And they say, you're living just like I'm living. Why do I want to listen to you? We have the responsibility to do a personal inspection of our life, our actions, 
to make sure it aligns with the word of God. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Ephesians 4, 4, 5 tells us there's one faith. Romans 10, 17 tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to look to the word of God and make sure that our lives are aligned with the word of God. Lamentations 3.40. Lamentations 3.40. Let us search and try our ways. But not only that. And let us turn again to the Lord. When we find our life is not matching with what God's word says. We need to turn to the Lord. We think about the prodigal son. The prodigal son went to his father. So, Father, give me my inheritance. Give me what I'm due. And his father did. And the son went away into another country and spoiled or wasted what the father had given him. He comes to himself. He said, my father's hired servants have this. I'm going to go back. Luke 15, 17, and when he came to himself, he said, How many hired service of my fathers have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? Verse 18, I will arise and go to my father's house, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. Prodigal son, he realized he had sinned. He realized that his life did not match the word of God. When he went back to the father, not only did he go back to the father, but the father ran towards him. We must examine our lives to make sure that we're living a holy, a righteous life, and that we step outside the faith that we read about in the Bible. We must have that mindset of the prodigal son or of David in Psalms 51. Psalms 51, have mercy on me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me through thoroughly from my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions. That's the key right there. I've got to acknowledge my transgressions. Because if we don't, we're going to be lost. And my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done evil in the sight, thy sight, that thou might be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. We have a responsibility to inspect, to examine our lives on a daily basis. Not only do we have a responsibility for those two things, we have a responsibility to live a holy life, to reflect Christ in our daily life. Does others see Jesus living in us? Or do others see a friend of Satan? Leviticus 9.2 tells us that we should be holy. Why? 
for the Lord God is holy. The Lord God is holy. 2 Peter 1.3. 2 Peter 1.3 tells us that God has given us what? All things that pertain to life and godliness. How many things? He's given you everything you need. Everything you need to be that peculiar person. Everything we need for life and godliness. And we can, we can obtain those things through the knowledge of Jesus. 1 Peter 2.9 tells us that we are a chosen generation. Christians are chosen by God. We are the chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation, a peculiar people that we should show forth praise of Jesus that has called us out of darkness. Do we show praise to Jesus? Because the way we live our lives. We're told in the Bible that God is light. And in him is no darkness. And then we look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, and it tells us that we should be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. If I call myself a Christian today, if you call yourself a Christian today, are we reflecting the true light of Jesus? As Christians, we must be the salt of the earth and preserve the gospel of Christ through the life that we live on a daily basis. As Christians, our daily life should reflect Jesus. It's not enough to reflect Jesus on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. We must reflect the light so that others may see our good works and that in doing so, we may glorify God. Do we glorify God on how I live my life? Romans 12 verses 1 and 2 tells us not to be conformed to this world, but be you transformed. Too many times in my life am I conforming to the world. I've got to examine my life on a daily basis. We live in a sinful world. And in order for Christians to win souls for God, we must live a life that is different from the world. Individuals must look at Christians and see Jesus living in us. People wear crosses all the time, and I'm not condemning anybody for a cross if you have a cross on. Your life needs to be our cross. The way we live needs to be our cross. Are we living in a way that others see Jesus living in us. Christians must speak different. Christians must dress different. Christians must handle trials different. How do I handle trials in my life? The world's looking at me. Christians should love different. Told to love our enemies. 
So you're supposed to love me when I go over tonight, by the way. Christians need to show a dependence on God. We need to serve different. James 4, 4 tells, tells us that if a person is a friend of the world, he's an enemy of God. Too many times in our lives, we try to be the friend of the world. We don't want to make the world upset. We don't want to make the world, we want to, we want to let God down. We need to reflect Christ in our lives. Next, we have the responsibility to edify each other. Edifying is building up. Our goal as Christians should be to help our brothers and sisters in Christ build their faith through edification. We can accomplish edification through Bible study, through our worship, kind words, encouraging words, and love for our brothers and sisters. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 tells us, Wherefore, comfort one, yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. And then Hebrews chapter 10, we're all familiar with verse 25. Let's look at verse 24. And let us consider one another. Do we consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works? Too many times we tear each other down. We want to have the preacher for lunch. We want to have the elders for lunch. We want to have this for lunch. We want to have this for lunch. We need to build each other up. And edify the body of Christ. It's our responsibility. In Colossians 3.16 it tells us. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another. In psalms and hymns. In spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. When we sing we teach. We admonish one another. Ephesians 4.29 tells us, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of the mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. You know, we have a, we have a thing today that we do. If it's the truth, we say it. We just say it. Whether it hurts our brothers or sisters, we just say it. Oh, it's the truth! And we're doing more damage to the body of Christ because we say it. We have the responsibility to serve others. Wes has done an awesome job with those lessons, and I'm not going to go into that. I'm going to end with this. We have the responsibility to love one another. We have the responsibility to love one another. And there are more responsibilities than, than I have listed here tonight. I promise you. John 13, 34 and 35, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How do men know, how do, how do people know that we are the true church today? 
Can they tell because our love? Romans chapter 12, verse 10 tells us, Be kindly affectionate one to another, with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. How do we know God loved us? Because he laid down his life for us. 1 John 3, 16 tells us that so we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. First John 4, 7 tells us that let us love one another for love is of God and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we know that that section of scripture is called the love chapter. In verse 2, and though I have, give, I have the gift of prophecy and understanding all mysteries and all knowledge and though I have all faith, so that I can remove mountains and I have not charity or love, I am nothing. Verse 4 tells us that love suffers long, that it's kind, that it does not envy, and it's not puffed up. Verse 5 says that love does it behave itself unseemly doesn't seek his own, her own. Love isn't easily provoked, and love doesn't think evil. Verse 6 tells, tells us that love does not rejoice in iniquity. Do we love our brothers and sisters like this right here? Verse 7 tells us love bears all things, believes all things, and hopes all things and endures all things. We have the responsibility to love our brothers and sisters. We also have the responsibility to be faithful. Revelation 2.10 tells us to remain faithful unto death and I'll give you a crown of life. In the Bible, we read about the story of Jacob and Esau. I get this mixed up sometimes in my head, but I'm going to try to get it right. Esau had the birthright, and he sold it to Jacob. Now, the birthright, if I understand this right, and you can correct me afterwards, it's okay. If I understand the birthright right, Esau should have got double portion of inheritance. And he sold it for a bowl of stew. We'll end here tonight. First Peter chapter th- one. First Peter chapter one, verse three through four. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He begotten us again to a lively hope. Verse 4, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, 
Are you selling your inheritance tonight? Because you don't pick up your responsibility as a Christian and follow God. Am I selling my inheritance tonight? The Bible tells me that inheritance is incorruptible, undefiled, fadeth not away, reserved for who? For me, for you in heaven. People fight over inheritance all the time. Siblings want more and more. This sibling wants this. This sibling wants that. I've already told my, I, I've told my, my dad, my, I don't want anything to have. Don't want anything to have. You know what he's giving me, Tony? He's giving me God. See, we'll fight over a physical inheritance. And we'll let our spiritual inheritance walk out the back door. See, you sold your inheritance because you have not kept up your end of the bargain as a Christian tonight. There are many more things that we can be responsible caring for the church. Just think about how many books of the Bible of the New Testament were written to the churches. Paul going around, we read that verse earlier, going around and checking on the churches. Caring. You have an opportunity every Wednesday night to check on visitation. And we walk out the front door and we say, oh, somebody else is going to do it. The elders are, it's the elders' job. That's Wes's job. Hold on, I'll give you another one. That's Chance's job. That's my job. That's your job. We have more responsibility around here at the church than we know what to do with. It's time that we take up our responsibility and start serving with an honest and a contrite heart and a humble heart as Jesus did. If you're here tonight, and you're not a member of the body of Christ, you can do so by hearing the word of God, by believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, by repenting of your sins, turning away from your sins, by confessing the name of Jesus Christ, and by being baptized or immersed in the water for the forgiveness of your sins. You may be here tonight, you've done those things, but you have been lax in your responsibility to the Lord. You've let somebody else take up your responsibility for the church, for your walk with Jesus. If you have a need tonight, if you'll come together as we stand and sing.